You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Today's uh, going to be an interesting one. We're going to have a totally biased discussion of investment in real estate. That's right. The old uh, rental real estate question that we get quite a bit from clients about yep. uh, whether or not they should do it or if they are doing whether it, whether or not they should keep doing it or what role that plays in their overall financial picture. Like I said, right at the beginning there, it's a totally biased view because we all have our own opinions, right? And uh, we've all got some experience in the uh, in the area one way or another. And uh, in my case, the experience was not great. So, it's, you know, it's uh, you're talking to a couple of investment guys. And so <laughs> very comfortable in the investing world, but not necessarily in the real estate world. I imagine if you went to some real estate professionals, they would give you the exact opposite opinion. And the reality is... The truth is somewhere buried in the middle, and it kind of depends on you and your situation. And, uh, you know, I guess I should also say my biases aren't because it was um, a financial disaster or anything for myself. It was fine from that standpoint. But uh, we're going to talk about some of the uh, things you need to think about with uh, investment real estate and rentals. And, uh, you know, overall, it just wasn't a good fit for me. I think it's certainly what I have learned from my clients that have done it or do it is it takes the right kind of person and it really kind of depends on what level that you want to get into the investment real estate world and and how you're accounting for that in your overall financial plan. There's an old adage that uh, real estate can only go up because they're not making any more of it. And uh, I guess in some senses that's true. But, uh, you know, if we look at the history of the last 20 years, at least, uh, you know, it's been a pretty bumpy ride in the real estate markets. But, you know, I guess the first thing I would say is a lot of people, I think they're biased towards real estate, whether it's their house, investment property or rental properties, is that, you know, on any given day, you can tune in to CNBC news and see what the stock market's doing, or you can jump on TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or wherever and see how your account value has changed in real time. And that's not really true with real estate. And I think it creates this false sense of um, security that, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about the prices. Yeah. You know, unless you're jumping on Zillow and and some of those other ones that are, you know, (laughs) updating that stuff every day. But, you know, all the real estate uh, professionals that I know that talk about Zillow say it's wildly inaccurate. And so there's a lot of mistrust about it. Um, But a a great point about, you know, if you it's just people think about it in a different way. And a great example is 2008 when real estate was tanking. There weren't people lining up to try to sell their house to get out of it. So and to rent instead of own almost everyone to a T said, we'll just wait until it comes back up before we sell. Right. Right. Which is exactly what we tell people to do in the stock market. But um, studies show (laughs) that it rarely actually happens that way. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) That lack of transparency in the market and knowing what the prices are is also kind of a symptom of another thing to keep in mind with real estate. And that's that it's just not liquid. You know, if you if you invest in real estate, you got to consider it a long term investment. There's no quick fix for that. And if you want your money back out of that investment, 
you're either going to need to sell it or take a loan against it. You know, you cannot go into it with a short-term view. Yeah, not not quite the same as uh, hitting a couple of buttons on your brokerage account right. online and, and selling a position. Uh, much different and much more costly too, unless you have your own real estate license and your own you know brokerage license. You, there's going to be some fees associated with selling real estate, and it's also you know not in a click of the button worthy. Although it has, I'm sure, gotten right. faster. Um, it's still a relatively yeah. slow process and not always. You know, you, so there's not a lot of buying and selling going on as a principal because of those, because of that. Yep. Yeah. You know, flipping houses makes for uh, interesting reality television, but, uh, you know, unless you're really lucky or you just absolutely don't value your own time and sweat equity, it's not necessarily a good retirement plan. From my perspective, if you are going to do it, because certainly we have clients that do it, you really have to do, well, there's one of two ways to do it successfully in my eyes. One is treat it like a business, Mm -hmm. which is make sure that you're accounting for everything. So, you know, and usually when people want to get into real estate, it's not necessarily because they want to run another business or have another, a second job. They think it's going to be a good investment for them. Right. And in order to well, be successful, you really need to run it like a business, which means spreadsheets and accounting principles and all that stuff that goes into it that most people yeah. kind of gets murky when they're doing it. Right. You know, one or two properties here or there. Yeah. You know, it's there's this misnomer out there. It's it's often called passive income as though your only job is to walk to your mailbox and collect your, your checks from your rentals. And uh, in reality, it's anything but. You know, you're you're pretty much going to have to um, treat it like a business, or it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And and so with that, and this is what, and this is this is where it wasn't good for me. It was it was a whole nother level of you know, it wasn't even that it was that big a time commitment really. And I had decent renters, but I, it was a stress level of what could be going wrong and what am I going to have to deal with next that I just didn't need on top of everything else. Yeah. Just that kind of sense of, is it, is it going to break? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. And so, you know, like, and we've all, we've had clients that were very successful landlords, but it's not for everyone. It takes a certain personality. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes people forget about the landlord aspect of it, you know. Right. And successful landlords are, you know, a a rare breed, if you will, because there's some tough (laughs) conversations that you have in order to be successful. And you have to be able to be willing to put people out if they're not paying and not, you know, cut them a deal or do different things. And so that's a really hard conversation that a lot of people don't enjoy or want to have and, and cause issues. Or, you know, and, and balancing, like, how hard is it going to be for me to replace this renter if I do get tough with them? Right. Because then you're, you know, foregoing income unless you know you can uh, turn around and get another person in there really, really quickly. And, you know, you just need to take these things into account. And calling it passive income just makes me kind of uh, chuckle. It's the least passive, passive income that we'll ever have, right? <laughs> right, right, right. I've fortunately been blessed to know that I can barely take care of my own house. It's the last thing I want to do. So to <laughs> right. have a second one to take care of, forget about it. I'm blessed to know right. that about myself, that I would never even try it. But 
you know, there's people that don't mind doing that stuff. And, and I think that's fair. But I think what a lot of them forget about not minding doing that stuff for themselves is doing it for someone else is a whole different ball game on their schedule, on their time frame is a whole different ball game than doing it for yourself when it yeah. suits you. Right. You may, uh, you may be fully capable of remodeling your own bathroom and hooking the plumbing up and moving light fixtures. But when you either have to pay someone or do it yourself to make ends meet, to keep a renter in place, it's a, uh, it's a whole different, uh, calculation. And, and definitely something that you don't know how you're going to react to it until you do it. Right. Like you said about your own right. experience of, you know, it wasn't necessarily that you couldn't do it. It was just the uncertainty of when, it, when you, when you're going to be called upon to do it and right. what that looks like <laughs> and the sleepless nights right. that follow that, you know, that's something that you don't get without experience. So, you know, the other, the other part of that is you, you can hire out these jobs and you can pay rental management agencies to handle these things for you. But, you know, then you're really saying that you're not worried about the current income from the rentals. You really are just invested for the long term. So it can kind of take you back to where we started with that. And then the uh, the other side of that is if you're going to do it on a scale to make it profitable, you're talking a lot more capital and a lot more, a lot more work. The, in order to hit those profits, and have margin in rental businesses, you've got to be, you've got to get to a certain level. Yeah, I think you're right, Dave. I, I think it, you definitely have to think of it in the business mindset of you're running it like a business. And it really truly is a second job. And from my perspective, you probably don't need or want a second job. Unless it's something that you love. And if you love it, if you absolutely love real estate and you love the thought of, you know, buying a house and fixing it up and having renters in it, if that appeals to you and you love it, then it won't feel like a second job. Um, but if you don't view, if, if there's parts of that that you really truly don't enjoy, it's always going to feel like a second job. And so that is going to cause you to, yes, maybe you're making a decent return on it, but are there similar returns out there that are going to allow you to live and focus on the things that are most important to you so you don't have to focus on a second job? And that's really the way that I would tell people to look at it is if it's something you mm -hmm. love, great, absolutely. We're never going to tell somebody to not do something that they love. But I think most people fall into the category mm -hmm. of it seems like a good idea. I should, it I could make a good profit on it because I've seen other people do it before. So I should probably go ahead and do this because... <laughs> I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad or whatever it is. And I, and I need this to be successful. And that's just simply not the case. So I, I think this would sum it up pretty well. Retiring from your career to run rental businesses for your retirement income isn't really retiring. It's a career change. Yeah, absolutely. And that, um, again, doesn't necessarily, maybe that is for you. But just go in eyes wide open and know uh, know what you're getting into. Another, you know, another aspect that people talk about with real estate is is the ability to buy real estate using mortgages, where essentially you're using someone else's money to generate profits and uh, income to yourself. And you know the way that our tax code is set up and the way the mortgage market works, that can be that can be a pretty good deal. But 
you know, you've got to consider and our job half the time is pointing out risk to people, right? And so leverage borrowing to create a bigger real estate portfolio is great when the market's going up, but just compounds your losses when the market's going down. And at the same time, the market's going down is probably going to be about the time that you don't have any renters that want to live in your units or businesses that can operate and pay you rent. And it's also the time that you're at least able to make uh, sales of your properties and the bank is still going to want to get paid. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it comes down to, we talk about it a lot on this podcast, you know, what's the risk and what's the reward? The higher the reward, the higher the risk. And so if you go into this thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I can, you know, leverage and I can get a 15% rate of return based on all my calculations. Well, that equates to a pretty decent sized risk in order to get that return as well. And so you got to be aware of that. And that's where things like leverage come in, things like the market cycle and, and the fluctuation of potentially of real estate or, you know, not or the Ill- illiquidity of it. Um, but I, and I think a lot of people miss the whole first step, which is trying to figure out how much they're going to make to begin mm-hmm. with. Like, what's your goal for what your return is going to be? <laughs> because just like in any other market, there's no free lunch. If if returns in real estate were that easy, everybody would doing would be doing it, and the profits would disappear. Right. And the flip side of that is there are some good returns in real estate if you're doing it right. And the reality is there's a lot of large companies that are doing it that own multiple mm-hmm. properties and they're buying up all the ones that they think that they can turn a profit on and professionally as a part of an overall business with lots and lots of money. And so it's really hard to find properties that they haven't already come across and either decided they didn't want or didn't want to pay the price that you might've been willing to pay. So you got to think about how that fits mm-hmm. into it as well. Just just an observation. I don't really have any uh, any numbers, but it's something that comes to mind. You know, a few years ago, I would have, I would have said that it's more likely that you could find a mispriced or underpriced piece of real estate, whether it was for rentals or vacant land or or whatever, then then it would be likely that you could find a stock that no one had heard of yet, or, you know, something that was some value that uh, had just been missed by everyone else. But, you know, in the days of Zillow and Realtor.com, I'm not sure that's the case anymore either. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's certainly the housing market that we have makes it even that more challenging, right? You know, the, the time to buy real estate mm-hmm. was in 2008 when nobody <laughs> had the, had the right. ability to get right. mortgages or to, to have cash to put towards it. <laughs> um, similar to the stock market. But, well, but bringing it, bringing it full circle, that was the time to yeah, buy stocks that's very, too. Very true. Yeah. Same, you know, same thing going on. And I did just as a, I, I don't want to dwell too much on this for our purposes today, because it's really not the point, you know, but just comparing the Standard & Poor's 500 index to the home price, national home price index over the last 20 years, the S&P 500 stock index beats the home price index hands down over and over year in and year out. Obviously, there's more to it than that, so I don't want to get too into the weeds on it. But uh, you know, to to just compare, just compare, you know, a potentially passive investment in an index mutual fund, you know, to um, to running rentals. I'll take the I'll take the passive index mutual fund any day. 
And I think another thing that people are um, just to touch on real quickly that people are seeing out there is, you know, what's going on with the changes and things like um, Airbnb or VRBO, where you can, you know, have a vacation mm-hmm. property and you can buy it and rent it out when you're not using it. And, you know, there's some merit to it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that do that. But, you know, with the pandemic, a lot yeah. of people got caught um and True. really struggled now that that section of the market as far as i know kind of bounced back pretty quickly um because mm-hmm. you know more people wanted to rent a house than maybe go to a hotel with a bunch of other people but the reality remains yeah. that there's still a lot yeah. of risks involved in that and um you know a lot of people you know really got in trouble with that but you know okay so let's let's talk about it from a financial planner standpoint you've got a client who wants to own a vacation home on a lake in northern michigan during retirement and they're going to use it you know 4th of july and memorial day and labor day and you know maybe a couple weeks in between with their grandkids and they can afford it but you know, it's kind of on the edge of their comfort zone. You know, there there's a situation where doing, you know, participating in VRBO or Airbnb, you know, may make sense. But again, recognizing that there's work involved and there's cost involved, you're gonna have to pay to get it cleaned or clean it yourself in between each one. You're gonna have to manage those things. But, you know, if it gets someone closer to those kind of goals, it's not that we don't like to see it. It's just that a lot of times people, I think part of it is when I talk to people about investment real estate, a lot of times it's like a, it's like black and white. Either we're going to do liquid investments and market-based investments, or we're going to buy real estate. And, you know, either one may be a mistake. Yeah. And I think, you know, the people that are looking at real estate are obviously getting that idea from somewhere. And I think a lot of it is, you know, an emotionally based decision of kind of keeping up with the Joneses. I think everybody has someone in their life that's in the real estate business and they're quote unquote crushing it or talking about, you know, how they flipped a house or how they have all these properties. Um, But, you know, I think that so that kind of tugs on the emotions of, hey, I should be doing this. This is something I should do because look at how well this person is doing. And and what I would say to that is that's on the exterior. You you know, you they if they have a business plan and are, you know, taking keeping keeping track of profits and percentages and things like that, it might look a whole lot different, number one. But. And I think, you know, number two, that's kind of like on the outside of what you see, not necessarily what's going on behind the scenes and how stressed out they might be. And so I think being careful with that, um, because it's not for everyone. Certainly there are people that it will be for that do a good job with it or it's their career. But there's a lot of people that try to dabble. And and unfortunately, that's typically a way that you can tend to get into trouble is by being half in. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) true just about anything yeah, very true <laughs> so so you know the the bottom line is uh know what you're getting into pay attention to the details don't uh don't expect things to uh don't expect returns that are uh not in scale with the risk that you're taking yeah, I agree. And, and what I tell people too is if it's something that you love or you absolutely have to have in your life as kind of like a heart's core to to try to to live your life without regret, then I, you know, I don't want to stop anybody from doing that. But I want them to go in with all the information going in as opposed to 
just doing it because it seems to be like a good investment um, and, and not realizing what is all involved in that. And, and so that's why we, we have these conversations a lot because it comes up with clients. And for some clients, it's a great piece of their overall picture. For a lot of clients, it's something that they probably wish they wouldn't have done. Um, so mm-hmm. it just kind of depends. I guess that pretty much covers our totally biased discussion yeah. of uh, investment and uh, rental real estate. That's right. If you, um, if if nothing else, you can at least say you listen to somebody else's point of view and, and move forward on your own. You're at least getting the information. So somebody's hey. got to take the opposite yep. view, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I'll right, talk to you later, good. Nick. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.